Hello, everyone. Welcome to That Triathlon Life Podcast. I'm Paula Findlay. I'm Eric Lagerstrom. I'm Nick Goldston. And we are all three coming to you from Canmore, Alberta, uh, recording the pod all in the same room, which only happens once in a blue moon. So it makes it fun for us, easier to edit. And uh, the reason Nick is here is because our deal was if one of us makes the podium in Edmonton, he would change his flight to three days later. I I had a feeling one of us would podium. I didn't know who. Some of us knew. (laughs) (laughs) Some feelings were stronger than others. I thought there was a pretty good chance that one of us would. Well, I don't know. Anything could have happened. There was so much pressure on you that I wouldn't have been surprised, I guess, if you just couldn't have made it to the start and I wouldn't have been surprised if couldn't you won by 10 start. minutes <laughs> I don't know it has I don't know yeah it has happened I mean for for you Nick like based on the number of people doing the race it sort of looked like you were going to be a shoe in but then yeah. it turned out that the density of the the yeah. talent in the age group field was just insane. Well, also maybe I was eighth in my age group. If I were one age group up, I would have been second. Yeah. So mm. it's just it's a luck of the draw. Yeah. In but sense. just in case anyone is uh, have no idea what we're talking about and isn't a triathlete or a triathlon fan, we all raced at the PTO Canadian Open last weekend. I was in the pro women's race, Eric in the pro men, and Nick in the age group field. We all raced a hundred k distance, so it was a Two-kilometer swim, 80-kilometer bike, 18-kilometer run in Horlock Park. And there was a ton of money online, a million-dollar prize purse for the pros. 100K for first, 70 for second, 50 for third. So a huge opportunity for us. And because Edmonton is my hometown, there was a lot of media hype and pressure surrounding the event, for me anyway. And, yeah, I was just happy I could deliver on the day. But we're going to spend this podcast mostly going through updates of our races, like little recaps. Um, If you don't want to listen to this, you can fast forward to maybe halfway through the podcast because we will answer some of the questions. And I must say, like, we've been really behind on emails this week. And when I opened up the podcast emails, there was like 50 plus emails and they're all so good. So if we don't get to your question this week, hopefully we will next week, but please don't take it personally if we don't answer your questions. Honestly, I I love all of them and it's really hard to sift through and pick the ones that are most relevant to this week. So, um, Anyway, yeah. I'll shut up. Yeah, Paula seems to think that nobody wants to hear about races or that everyone's tired of hearing about this race and it's Wednesday, uh, so I'm gonna guess. You know, back me up on this. Anybody in the audience? Well, that, I'm not sick of hearing about <laughs> know, Paula's race. That, you know that some people do actually want to hear a little bit of our take on how everything went. So it's a sure. very exciting. It's a, like it's a huge. It's a, the biggest race of the year, maybe yeah. for you. I mean, maybe one for Paula of, Finley, of, it's like of. the biggest race of the year, yeah, maybe. And you did so well at it. Like I want every detail of it. <laughs> but we're gonna start with Eric. Who had maybe the exact from, opposite kind yeah. of day? We're going yeah. from worst experience to best experience. So we'll go me, Nick, Paula. Flynn yeah. uh, is not included in this exercise. So first of all, Eric, you did you race on the same day as Paula? Same time as Paula? Well, that's I mean that's pretty much a, a softball you threw me there. Um, the I think a big part of the reason for my unfortunately bad result is that I raced a day after Paula, and. I've experienced this before, basically, when she had her big result in Daytona years ago. It wasn't years, but, you know, two years ago. I forget if it's that two, is years. two or three. Um, but it's it's really challenging as, like, uh, I'm a very empathetic person, and, and seeing her race and kind of, like, going through the whole pre-race p- buildup and everything, and then ultimately a little bit of post-race as well. There was a barbecue at the house the night after the race. It's it it. You kind of go through the entire emotional arc of doing a race, even though it wasn't, you know, I wasn't the one that towed the line. Um, 
So anyway, that that aside, that that's kind of like the biggest thing that I think I can look at for why I had not the the day that I was that I was going for, and um, and there are some other factors, but I'll just I'll just kind of get after it straight from the gun. Um, when the when the gun went off, diving into the water, I really I felt good. I felt like I was having a good day. The first like fifty meters, I thought I was swimming pretty well, but I was like literally not. I was going nowhere. I looked over and I knew who was swimming next to me, and it's not somebody who I normally struggle to drop. <laughs> and I could see over on the left, out of the corner of my eye, like the Henry Schumann train just flying away, motoring, motoring away <laughs> yeah. into the distance. And I'm like, I don't really understand. Maybe I just it'll, maybe I'll loosen up and something great will happen. But it just kind of went from from bad to worse, and I felt like I worked hard the entire swim, and it was just going so slowly. Like I was swimming with a parachute. That's the only thing that I can think of in my experience that it that it felt like. So maybe you were swimming with two ankle bracelets. That was the problem. <laughs> that is, which was actually one of the questions. Why do we use two timing chips? Because no idea. It's really dumb. Oh, I think, so this isn't the first time that you've used two timing chips. No, lots of times. Oh, like maybe even in the Olympics they wore two timing chips. Oh. but it's because in case one falls off, you have a backup. But it. It really slows you down in the water. I'm really all down for like having a timing chip implanted in my calf muscle so that I don't have <laughs> to like feel that dragging behind me. But I don't think that was entirely it. It's just the body was obviously off. And then I, I got on the bike and I had a, like an okay first lap. Emphasis on okay. Certainly not um, like the power that I felt in Alcatraz and just kind of like this infinite ability to push. Um, and and that was that was really the peak of the bike ride as well. It just went downhill from there. And every time that I passed the U-turn at the top of Groat Road, which was only about 800 meters from Paula's parents' house, I seriously considered that'd be a great place to just call Stop. it a day. <laughs> so by the time that I got to the run and plenty of people had passed me, and um, I experienced, did also experience some negativity around drafting and officiating but whatever like it was just it was just a negative sort of spiral for me by the time i got to the run i'd already pretty much used up all of my just stay in this and gut it out matches and i only made it a lap and a half before before pulling the plug and i'm i wish i could have finished i wish i could have had a better day but i don't really regret doing that i just i feel like there's like a limited number of times each year that you can just truly go to the well and it didn't feel like that was going to be one where it was there was a payoff that was worth mentally going through that. So. Yeah, I was watching the race with uh, one of my best friends, Ryan, and we kind of intentionally went further down the course because we're like, I don't know if it's worth finishing this, and if he wants to pull off, it's obviously not in a crowd. So I was right. He yeah. found us, and then he just like we just sat under a tree for the next 45 minutes with Nick and watched everyone slowly deteriorate and oh it was God, the most carnage I've ever seen in a men's field and I don't know why the cramping was so bad like so bad Alistair had stomach cramps like he said he's never had before uh Blumenfeld cramped it was just crazy people guys were like running so 12 slow. minutes per mile just like barely yeah getting along like I would say the only people that really had decent races were like uh or races they might be happy with are like uh, Aaron Royal and Aaron Gustav, Royal. Well, know. Gustav, even he said, like, Christian had that cramp. But if Christian yeah. had that cramp, he would have been, like, he would have yeah. Won, yeah. really It definitely wasn't, like, an amazing performance from Gustav. But he it, fell over the line, he, basically, he, he too. He finished yeah. and won. Here's what I think the, the difficulty was, is that the nature of the race was that it was, like, an ITU race, like a sprint distance or an Olympic distance with the loops and with the ITU-style start. 
but it was 100 kilometers and it was kind of humid and hot and it started in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. So I think people attacked this race as if it was an ITU race because many of the people are short course athletes. Certainly in the men's ran field. Out. But it just kept going. Yeah. It just kept going and going. And then you get to the run and you're burned these matches on the bike for nearly two hours hills and maybe not uh taking enough nutrition because on that style of course i find it harder to remember to hydrate and take enough like electrolytes it's not even so much remembering it's it's having the opportunity you're going hard up the hill so that doesn't sound like a great time to take a drink of water and then on these downhills you want to like super tuck and be as aero as possible and maintain speed because you're going to like bottom out and then go up another hill and just that's like, what i'm saying yeah it's like an it so maybe right. that was part of the problem but i don't know and it just like guys we all think we're gonna like this is the day we're gonna win and take 10 minutes off of our best time ever and like the whole front swim pack i i don't like 100 quote me on this but a large percentage of the front swim pack was barely barely trotting along by the end yeah. of the run it was like yeah that's true you know the, the pacing was not ideal at any point yeah. in this whole such thing. So the last thing I'll say just before Nick gets going is that it was very challenging for me to drop out. Like Paula said, luckily she got away from the crowd, but running through the grandstands, riding through the grandstands, just like support people yelling on course all along. It was just, there was no good opportunity to really just like disappear into the trees and everybody wonders where you went. There was always somebody there cheering. And I just, that was for better or for worse. Like it was really, really cool. And I felt so much of like that love in Edmonton. Like a crazy, probably the highest density of TTL fans. I Not would say. probably. There's no way there's a higher density in the world. There's like every single person there it was out of control. Yeah. 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 As far as a city that is not like the world championships, right? Where it's but, like an international field or something. Yeah, I don't it was know. amazing. I, I, I'll, I'll say one thing about watching Eric's race. Uh, when we were there at the end, just watching those best men in the world go by, and they're just like. I mean, they were truly running, some of them, not everyone, but some of them were running so slow. And it's like, man, these people just destroyed themselves. Yeah. The difference in like, in the, in the speeds people were running, I just could not believe it. Yeah. It really felt like you, these people had just been tortured for days, yeah. <laughs> what it looked like. But <clears throat> you raced. I raced. I raced what, same six, day. Six hours before? Yeah, that? six and a half hours before that. Um, and it was nice and cool. It was nice and cool. I did not enjoy waking up that early, but very luckily, Paula's mom, who was the race director, she, she and I drove down together, and I was the first person in transition. <laughs> I was the first person there. I didn't know that. Yeah, I was the first person there, and, nice the, and, uh, and the last one out, if you remember. Yes, yeah. I remember They were about that. to give your bike away. They were, yeah. <laughs> so I was the first one there so early that transition wasn't open yet. Uh, got in and first of all, it was just it was a mosquito free for all. I never had so such a problem with mosquitoes. That's all anyone was talking about in transition. Um, but everyone was super nice. I mean, the whole weekend for me, I was like Tom Cruise. It's what it felt like. <laughs> <laughs> it's just people were really so short. nice. Yeah, <laughs> really short, but I could run really fast. Uh, <laughs> um, it, people were so so nice. Like people are coming up. It, it took me a while to get ready in transition because. People kept coming up to talk, mm-hmm. uh, but luckily, like so cool. It was it was so 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 cool. But got everything set up. We were all pretty sure that it would be a non wetsuit swim for us, which it was for the female pros and the male pros. But uh, they came in and they sold us wetsuit optional. So of course, everyone got their wetsuit ready, which was great. I found um, a couple cold patches in the lake. Yeah, to stick the thermometer in. <laughs> That's right. Thank you, whoever <laughs> did that. So we went out there and. Uh, 
the my heat actually got started. It was a time trial start, so we went off in five second increments. Um, but we still had like groups that we were supposed to go with according to our swim caps, and I just kind of rushed putting my wetsuit on. I don't think I got enough material up into my shoulders, which is a great move for age groupers out there. If you don't know about this, if you just put your wetsuit on and not and just kind of get it on and zip it up, you may be leaving some uh, performance out there. You, you kind of want to grab any kind of slack that's anywhere in the wetsuit and roll it up towards your shoulders. So definitely want your crotch as like sucked up against you as possible, and then. <laughs> Even your wrists, you can like pull them up a bit and get the material up around your shoulders. It's just so your shoulders can move as freely as possible. I felt like I had a lot of burning in my shoulders. I definitely did not swim as well as I. You normally do this, or you just forgot? I normally do this. I I didn't forget. I literally didn't have time. Mm. Um, uh, Corey was yelling at me like I was. I was literally the last person with a green cap to get into the water. Um, so anyway, uh, I, I, I needed to use the bathroom and then I ran out and all the green caps were like getting in the water. I'm like running and putting my wetsuit on and I had to put my tattoos on too, cause I didn't do that the night before, which of course came right off as soon as I ripped my wetsuit off. <laughs> um, but then whatever, the swim was not great. It was my worst ever 70.3 swim, but I was still treating this kind of like a learning experience race. So I jumped onto the bike, the bike felt okay. I loved the course. Super fun with the loops. I didn't think I'd like four loops, but kind of going up and down and up and down. As far as entertainment value, really entertaining. Not a great course for my body type. Like I would pass people on the flats and then just get rocked on the climbs, even though I was doing a high wattage for my standards. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was happy, and, and unlike every other 70.3 I've done, I didn't, the last like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes weren't like, Get me off of this bike. My lower back hurts. Everything hurts. I was I was feeling just as good as like the beginning of the second lap. Mm-hmm. But I was fully ready to have a terrible run, and I got off the bike and just felt amazing on the run. Uh, the, I kind of got off the started running and was going way too fast and had to slow myself down. But I slowed myself down to like seven thirty per mile, which I thought would be as fast as I could reasonably run. And then I'd look down at my watch thirty seconds later and I was back down to like seven ten per mile. So my body just wanted to kind of go, go, go. I don't know if it was because so many people were cheering for you could see us, you know, we could see each other so well. It was just one big out and back four times. I think you did a good job of pacing on the bike. Like yeah. letting all those people go past you and yeah. everything. Like if think of how, how many men in the pro field might have just, you know, tucked it away, kept it between their legs for yeah. the, on the uphills, they could have run. Yeah. May, yeah, might be true. I definitely let people I mean I was doing like on some of the climbs I was doing like two eighty watts, three hundred watts. For me, that's not a good idea. But yeah. I was just like, "This is what I, f- I think I need to do this because then you can." There's plenty of downhills where at first I was pedaling, and by the third yeah. or fourth lap, I was like, "I think I'm going to take this time to <laughs> recuperate a little bit." Yeah, yeah. Um, but then felt great on the run. It just it just felt better and better as I went on. I saw so many people wearing TTL stuff and ran my best ever run. So I was very happy about that. Awesome. I, I think in general, what really helped me was the day before after Paula's race. I did a sweat test at the Precision Hydration Tent. Brad came up to me and recommended I do it. And in accordance with the results of the sweat test, they told me to, for me, it'll be different for everyone, but for me, it was 1,500 milligrams of sodium the night before in a bottle, and then 1,500 milligrams of their sodium mix the morning of the race, and then instead of water on the bike, drink their 500 mix, or their 1,000 mix, actually. And I did that and ate a bunch more than I've ever eaten before. I took six gels, which were like 25 grams of carbs each, and never had any stomach issues. Um, Just felt great the whole time. And then even on the run, I took 
three gels, one per lap, except for the last lap, and drank. I didn't drink a lot, but felt great the whole time. I never had any bad feeling, and maybe the last like five minutes, I was like, all right, I guess I, I guess I can kind of open it up more. Maybe it's like last lap actually. I guess I can open it up more. I might as well. This is what uh, Lindsay Corbin always says about Iron Man: is like whoever. It's not necessarily who trained the best. It's whoever can like eat the most yeah. and still feel good. That's yeah. I, so, I had no stomach I issues feel like at all. You've just been underfueling your whole I, triathlon. Well, even experience. not only that, I think it was maybe a good opportunity to, to test it for your. Iron it was. Man it was because perfect. you didn't care that much about your result here, so yeah. it was a really good opportunity to be like, "Can I take this much, not have side effects, and now you can do it in the Ironman?" Yep, huge win for me to this race in that sense because yeah. I, I I learned I think what I need to do to eat and feel good on the run. Yeah, so yeah. I was I, even though my swim was pretty uh, really bad for my standards, and the bike was not what I was hoping. Ending on that run, feeling that good, and not having any stomach issues, eating all that, I feel yeah. like was more than what I possibly could have hoped to gain out of this race. Yeah, that's yeah. that's like life changing. Life changing, yeah, life changing. So I thought <laughs> triathlon it was great. life. Triathlon, yeah, that's right. Your triathlon but life I was, changed. I was smiling like the whole run. I just was yeah. so happy the whole run. I was chatting with a few people. Um, and just finished the line feeling, finished cross the line feeling so great. And at the time, Paula had just done really well the day before, and I was just so excited to see Eric race. So my my whole day was just fantastic. Fun. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And then at the end of the race, I just kind of stuck around, chatted with a bunch of people, and waited for for Eric to come down. And you already know that. So yeah, Paula, do you want to go into a little bit about the insanity that was? Let's rewind further. Rewind yeah. to the day before. We're yes, we're like going back in time. Rewinding, rewinding, rewinding. So on Saturday, I raced. Um, I was more nervous for this race than I think I've maybe ever been for a race. And I get really nervous for races. Yeah, I was going to say that. Like, I remember the feeling before the Olympics in London. And I really had not really an expect- any expectations. I was not at my fittest ever. But I don't know. This race was different because the pressure of expectation because of the... The video they put out, the PTO made beforehand. Um, There's billboards with your face on them around Edmonton. Yeah, but not even that. It was more like the YouTube content that told my story and like thousands of people saw it and suddenly I'm not flying under the radar. It's like this story about this build back from disaster and now I have to like continue the story in a positive way. So I felt pressure from that and anything could have happened in this race. I had no idea what would go down with all the women that were there really really strong people and then just I was confident in my fitness but even if you feel fit and good you don't know how you're going to respond on the day of the race like maybe you didn't get your taper right or maybe you didn't eat enough or I don't know what it is maybe you just have a day like Eric where you dive in and you don't you don't feel good it's not because he's not fit so I was worried about all of those things happening but um, I dove in like when I woke up I was so nervous I couldn't even eat hardly yeah what did you eat uh, like half a bagel with peanut butter is not enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, but then once I started it. like riding down to the course with Holly Lawrence and going through the process of setting up, the nerves kind of go away a little bit because you're just doing what you need to do to get ready and get to the start line. So it's the waiting and the not being able to do anything to make the time go quicker that makes me the most nervous. So um, I had a pretty good start, I guess. I won't go through everything in super detail, but I felt good on the swim. I didn't know who I was swimming with. I was just swimming and felt good, so I thought maybe I was having a decent swim. I could see people ahead of me, obviously, but I wasn't expecting to be in the very front, so that was okay. 
And then when I came out of the water looking around and like assessing who I was with, I was like, oh, I actually did swim pretty well. Like I could see Ellie, I could see Holly, I could see Pamela, like people that I hope to swim with every race. And uh, got on the bike and just like went as hard as I could, which was my game plan. Right. And I was like, the four lap course with the hills, I was treating it a little bit like an interval workout because I find that in training, my best workouts are like hills or three minute intervals or five minute intervals. I can go like so hard on them and then have a bit of recovery in between. So I was treating every hill like that and then every descent like a recovery. So it was very spiky. My average power was actually not that impressive because there was a lot of like dead time where I wasn't really pedaling that hard. But um, I think overall I was just like pick the right bike. I was super arrow. I was, or I felt super arrow and I just felt like fast on the climbs, which I think is where all of the damage was done to other people. Like I was standing up past Ashley and it was like not that hard and she couldn't stay with me. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm riding well today. Uh, so I could see on the out and backs the pack chasing me and they were really close together, but I didn't think much about that. I was mostly just trying to think about putting time into them on every lap. And with an out and back course of that nature, you can see where they are one lap and then see they're further back the next lap. And that was encouraging to me knowing I was riding better every single lap than them and putting on time. Um, but still like not sure how I'd run off the bike. And knew that even two minutes was maybe not enough time to hold all of those runners off. I was pretty confident based on who was in that group that I could podium, but I didn't know that if I could win. And uh, yeah, um, I feel like I'm just rambling. Yeah, I, I want to hear even more detail. No, than I mean, you're like, going well, the, as far yeah. as like the people in the pack, like Nick and I were texting and stuff, and he was down at the race, and I was getting ready to come down. We were most worried about Laura Phillips. Yeah, because she was like sure. powering through. From behind, it was riding almost the same speed as you, yeah. and she like was about to catch that group that was behind yeah, you. Yeah, our bike splits weren't that different, Laura and I. Yeah, Pretty much identical. And she's had some crazy fast runs. So yeah, when, she was. When she started on that run, I was like, ooh, boy. yeah, yeah. But then on the on the run, it was the same thing. You could do, see the out and backs, and she wasn't putting any time on me. So I was like, oh, okay, I think I'm fine with with her. But I could see Ashley gaining on me every lap. And I think when she, on the lap where I like didn't out and back in the park and could see her like right there, I was like, oh, f-. and yeah. she saw, she heard me say that and kind of laughed and uh, <laughs> nothing was said between us as she passed me, but it was fine. Uh, yeah. and it was, I was she was just it. having a day. She ran, ran faster so than some of the guys. Fast. Like yeah. day so for the fast. ages. That was yeah. amazing. And I don't know what kind of an impact. I don't think the drafting in that chase pack necessarily impacted your result. The result. Um, maybe Ashley got like a little bit of an easier ride than I did with riding with people, but from what I've heard from people, she actually rode the most honest of all of them. So I don't I know. I would say just like overall that that group went faster than it would have otherwise, and Ashley's the only one who ended up beating you. Yeah. That's yeah. just like my guess from like having watched the coverage. Yeah, like when I watched some of the coverage, the people behind are like hardly pedaling sometimes. Yeah. And I was like, going as hard as I could the whole time. So I don't know. It's drafting definitely is a thing. And from my perspective, the motor on me was way ahead of me, like more than 20 meters the whole time. And they were being really good about that. So I don't know. The haters of the front rider might say that I had a motor draft, but I don't think I did. I never even considered that, I guess, when I was looking at the footage, but I definitely considered the people behind you. I yeah. mean, I, I, from from what I saw from the footage, there was a lot of three-quarter angle of you, which is the motorcycles not, to the side, not yeah. in front, or yeah. is like, you can tell when, like, 
a sign behind you looks like as big as a mountain that they're using a very long lens. They're very far away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's and that, helicopter shots. You can see. Yeah, exactly. You, like, there's so much coverage of this that if you were doing the wrong thing, like, it's <clears throat> there was plenty of time to see it happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I hope, like, I got very frustrated about it and was it let it get into my head a lot more than I should have and everything after watching your race. But I like I hope that one of the takeaways away from this is just all of us as athletes seeing it, knowing that these races are going to be covered that well. And it's really up to you to decide whether or not you want to be known as someone who obviously plays by the rules or pushes them at, yeah. given at every opportunity. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Well, as I was talking to people who actually had to do with putting the race on, like people in the PTO and people there, yeah. I definitely heard a lot of, like, they know it happened. They know it was happening, and they were kind of bummed about it and wished it could have gone differently. So yeah. I, I hope it's not just going to be left to the athletes to mm. self-regulate this. Well, for the men's race, they brought in new referees. They brought in new. They at least brought in one additional. Yeah. They had four instead of three for the women. And I don't know. There's there's basically a couple of different ways to go. You have smaller fields, or you Those have more referees, or both. Yeah. Or you just give referees or someone. You you would say, okay, we're going to make disqualifications based on helicopter shots. If the helicopter, if we see you, or based on, on that radar thing that they are yeah, making. Yeah, the race ranger thing would be awesome if if it if, really if works. They can get that well. I think it does work. It's just, it's just. This is always a problem with products. Is like getting it to mass production. Like yeah. you can make one that works, but right. then, well, they only need to make forty. Right. Well, I think they want to like roll it out and be able to use it like for Kona. Well, for, for people that don't know mm-hmm. what this is, it's a sensor you put on the back in front of your bike, and then it yeah. detects for you the distance between bikes. So it'll blink at you if you're too close. Yeah. So <sighs> if I'm behind Paula. I will see a green light, for example, this isn't exactly it, but I'll see a green light right up until I'm at 20 meters or approaching 20 meters, and then it'll turn to yellow, and then it'll turn to red when I'm inside of that 20-meter zone. That way I know that I'm approaching it, and I shouldn't go any further closer than that. Sean Jefferson and I were talking about this potential idea, but I just thought of something else. About First of all, people should need some kind of warning before they enter. It's not an idea. It exists. Okay, great. I think, you know what else you could do? Like The machine knows exactly how far away it is. Yeah. It should be. It should transmit to bike computers. You should be able to pair it so you have exactly like thirty meters, twenty-eight meters, twenty-four meters, right? You just put it in a field if you if you want it. Well, so you've got a device that's on your fork that is also like right. blinking at you. So you are. You know, the, the reason that they put the light on the tail of the one in front of you is because they felt like that would be safer than you constantly looking down at your computer, right, to see twenty-three. I'm just so worried about people accidentally entering the draft zone without trying to, and now they have to. Well, that's that's that is what happens. Except with the current referee situation, you can accidentally enter the draft zone and as many times back. as you want yeah, and go exactly. back, and it's it's well, hardly not, ever called. Right, but I think that the race ranger wouldn't be used to give penalties. It would still be at the discretion. of the Yes, ref. yeah, they just well, get the information. Yeah. The ref can see. If you've been in the red, because because you have that yellow warning light, it essentially of like you're approaching twenty, so you can stop approaching. But then, as soon as that thing turns red, you have to pass. Right, and the referee can see that. Right, but back to Paula. Like, what was there a point? And we haven't really talked about you actually finishing the race. But was there a point in the race where you kind of were like, oh my god, okay, it's I'm actually having a good day. 
it's okay. I like. I'm guessing it's when you've already gotten off the bike and you, there's no chance of mechanicals, and you're just like, mm-hmm. I'm running good enough that today's going to be a really good day for me, no matter what. Or did you no. never really get to that? Like point? on the on the run, I didn't feel that good. I wasn't running that fast, and I thought, okay, I was relieved because I was probably going to be in the top five or whatever, top three. But like ultimately, I wanted to win. So when I got past, I'm not. It's not like I was still happy. Mm-hmm. You know, I still wanted to be, be first. So I was kind of bummed about that. But I did want to talk really quick about my bike choice because I rode the Shiv TT and not the Shiv Tri-Bike. And this was something I was deliberating with in my mind all the way up till maybe like even three days before the race because we weighed both bikes. The Shiv TT is lighter. This course has some climbing. I did some workouts on the Shiv TT the week prior to the race and just felt so comfortable climbing with it. And handling it and all that but the problem was I didn't really have a good hydration solution because I didn't have a front bottle cage on it so Eric crafted me a custom front bottle cage I ordered a down tube aero bottle to Nick's house in LA because it was the quickest shipping and by two days it was literally the day before the race maybe two days before the race I had the hydration system set up. I think it was up. the day before. Might have been the day before. I think I was. I think I finished prototype version two. Friday. The day before. The day yeah. before. So then I wrote it. It felt amazing. I could drink, just put like a normal bottle in between, and it was no problem. And this is not to say that I don't like the Shiv Tri-Bike. I just think the Shiv Tri-Bike is actually faster on a flat aero course where you just have to be aero. But in this dynamic of a race, I was more comfortable personally on the Shiv TT. So I'm going to keep both in my toolbox. I'll train on both, and I'll just make like decisions based on courses, which one I'll ride at different races. But no regrets. That bike is so beautiful, so fast. And ultimately, it also is a little bit of a mindset thing. I believed it. Like I had made the decision two weeks before I was going to ride the Shiv Tri Bike. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. But in the back of my mind, I kept thinking I'm making the wrong decision. That Shiv TT bike is so much lighter. I feel and just I feel better on it right now. So I should be riding that. So it was just this back and forth, you know, dilemma that I was having in my brain. So that is part of it too. Mentally feeling confident with the decision I made and that and I did. So it was the right decision. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, don't, I think I would have had the same result with the Shiv Tri Bike, but um, anyway. mindset. Were you mindset were you thing. too focused on on your effort to realize the insanity of the crowds whenever you would come by the grandstands? No, I could for sure tell. Like it, it was, was it was super loud. It was it was fun. I tried to film it a few times. It was just like a roar of yeah. people. Yeah, and same on the run. Like I was n- not feeling good on the run. I actually thought it was a three lap run course, which was so dumb. And then I realized I had another lap at the end. But uh, every time I came through the grandstands, I felt like this battery recharge. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I can do another lap, <laughs> even though I, I want this to be over. But that was definitely a huge factor was uh, the crowd support. So It was awesome. Yeah. It was so cool. And then when I finished, I was just like looking into the stands or into like the VIP area where people were standing and kept seeing faces of people that I haven't seen for like years. But they came down to watch me. And it was so cool just to see like family and friends and not only seeing them, but like have, having had a good race and then seeing everyone made it like that much more special and cool. So Eric was even there. I was like, Eric, do not come down to the race. Stay in, stay at home, stay in the AC, just watch it online if you want. But he was there on the last lap of the run. I was like, oh boy, you should be resting. <laughs> it's so funny because he came down and he like found me in VIP. We sat down for like 
20 seconds and immediately he got taken to go do an interview and he's like standing in the sun at the finish line getting yeah, interviewed. I was like, like oh, all God. of that just definitely impacted my experience. <laughs> really, I just wanted to come down, give you a hug when you cross the finish line and leave. And then I just know. like could not escape. Yeah, it's, it was, I think in those situations you really just have to be like, no, almost rude. Yeah, just be like, I'm looking out for myself right now. I have to go home. I'm sorry. I'll say hi tomorrow. Yeah. Because it's, it is crazy. It's like even when my race was over, Nick's race was over. You couldn't walk from one place to the other without stopping for, like, ten pictures, which oh, yeah. is great. But also when you're trying to get ready for something or do something, <laughs> get yeah. to anything, it was yeah. it was time-consuming. Um, so that's just something to consider know. for I don't know. That's just the, I it's just the felt, nature of, just, what, of the weekend. Like, it just feels so wrong to me. To not be there. To not be there. Like, I was way more excited for how big of a day this was for you relative to, like— yeah. I just had a big day at Alcatraz. Like, how big could whatever I do tomorrow be that I would not want to be there yeah. for your moment? Of, I don't know. It's, yeah, no, I agree. I, t- I did say, like, if I'm winning, you guys better come down. Because I didn't even think you were going to be I just never it. left. I was too yeah. I was too psyched. <laughs> it's like, both of you are racing the next day. Don't You better not be at the park. Oh, I fully abandoned my race. In fact, later that day, like, after I raced... Uh, well, actually, sorry. Um, when Eric raced on Sunday, I was like so consumed with Eric's race that Paula texted me. She was like, Nick, you need to go get your bike. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, from where? Your parents' house? Like, what do you mean? She's like, it's your bike is the last bike in transition. I'm like, Paula, that was weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it felt like so long ago. (laughs) And then I go there and it's literally the last bike in there. And so I was the first into transition and last one out. Not really by choice on either end. So poetic. Yeah. Yeah. But Paula, the day, like, it was such an emotional thing. And obviously... Like for even for Eric and for me, walking around, everyone recognizes Eric. Some people recognize me. We, they all know that we're just like waiting for your results. You mm-hmm. know, we're just watching you. And it was it was a very emotional day. Everyone, there's so many fans there. I'm just walking around. There's people talking to each other, and I'm just hearing that Paula Finley, Paula Finley, Paula Finley. It was it was so cool. Like the after effects of that are that I am completely exhausted this week. Not just like from doing a race, but my mind is totally dead so we're taking a really easy week beyond cooked yeah like we got into the pool and (laughs) paula had the idea to do like this 25 no it was a 25 (laughs) broken into 12 meters fast and 12 meters easy and like the 12 meters fast was just like i couldn't do it like i can't no (laughs) i'm out Okay, well, we are more than halfway through this podcast, so I think we should do some questions. Uh, But like I said, there were over 50 emails, so if we're not getting to your question today, which we most likely will not, uh, it might come up another day. Yeah, we'll we'll try. It definitely will. Yeah, yeah. So the first one here is from Joyce in Sacramento, California, California represent. Eric, Paula, Nick, and Doggums. Who is right over here, by the way. He's being very quiet for once. Uh, sorry to clutter your inbox, but I'm sending another question while it's fresh on my mind. I was struck again this weekend by the awesomeness of your racing kits. The colors are fantastic. I assume you have some input on these. How does that work? Joyce. P.S. Who's going to tell Blumenfeld? Oh, maybe we shouldn't read that out loud. <laughs> um, she doesn't yeah. like Blumenfeld's kit, but I don't think Blumenfeld cares because he yeah. is very scientific. And I think the Norwegians picked like the fastest possible suit in the... Uh, hot condition. So anyway, our kits, yes, we do design them ourselves with the help from, I had Kristen Myers from Betty Designs design my kit this year. Uh, we're sponsored by Castelli, but Kristen's just a really cool artistic person who actually designs Lindsay Corbin's kits. And I love Lindsay's kits every year. So I asked if she would help me with mine and she did. And we kind of work through different versions of it, different colors. 
I tell her, I send her like inspiration of things that I like, for example, like coffee bags or beer cans that I think are cool. And she transforms them into a cool kit. So I think Eric and I put a lot of like importance on the look of our kits. I would say like there are things I would change about this kit for me because what they look like on paper before they're made into a real life kit is often very different. Um, I love the colors on mine, but I think it's a little bit like too light maybe, but yeah. I don't know. That's my only feedback of it, but I, I love the colors and I honestly love Eric's kit yeah, so much. It's so funny how they're completely different. They yeah. look yeah. nothing like each other. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we I think like that triathlon life has like a general aesthetic that's sort of a mesh of both like what Paula and I like, and it's a very clean, like classic sort of look. But outside of that, we definitely didn't want to like look like we were on a bike team together. You know, we have our own identities and our own personal brand and everything inside of the, you know, the bigger that triathlon life thing. So, yeah, but you made yours mostly yourself or did Ralph make it? Um, so my kit is kind of like in its second generation. Last year I had uh, a red and blue version of it. And this year I really wanted to go with this like neon blue, neon yellow and coral sort of concept. We didn't get as much coral in it as I wanted, but it's just uh, kind of a thing with printing on, on the really fancy sleeves of the Castelli suit. But ultimately I think it, it, it turned out so, so good. And, uh, yeah, it, it was initially designed by Ralph Dunning of foreign rider who also did our, who also did our, that triathlon life logo. And, and to like explain my kit a little bit, it's got like basically got a big X on the front of it, but it's really just a super blown up version of the transition Four logo, which is my first company that I started and is still kind of what I consider to be my, uh, production, visual production company long term. You know, I always want to be able to. I'm going to make films and stuff underneath that. It kind of feels the most core to who I am and the way I see the world. So that's yeah. the main thing. We should talk a little bit about Nick's kit because he has a Zoot kit, which I love the Zoot kits. Where we work with Castelli now, Eric and I, but I was always very comfortable in my Zoot kits, and I still love the company. But Nick needs a new kit. Very desperately needs so a new one. So if anyone from Zoot's listening to this, we need to send <laughs> Nick uh, a new kit. I do love it, though. It's it's, if, it's the only suit I've had that doesn't give me, like, <clears throat> major chafing problems. I'm, yeah. I'm just going to say, like, if anybody with a Zoot company wants to send Nick a thing, you could maybe do, like, a shootout and, like, test four or five different kits and Nick is come basically, back. That's correct. Nick is basically a triathlon influencer at this point so if anyone wants nick and his kid he is very i'm easy. super nerdy too like i am the person you want to be sending your products to yeah. let me tell you no, no bias at all yeah. i like love the tech yeah. love all yeah. the little things love testing stuff out totally. yeah well thank um, you for that paul yeah do we want to just like qu- real quickly segue into how you like your bike box i was gonna I ask feel like that I was, was a question i was gonna say that yes yeah, someone sent an email about that and, and someone oh, yeah, else that on, was a question someone else on instagram was telling me like hey make sure you that's a hot topic i've i've had even people someone ask at the race it. said it yeah they're like yeah. i want to hear about the bike back one sec i'll try to find the question okay great hey nick great meeting you this past weekend in edmonton just wanted to see how your first experience was with the new bike bag and just so everyone knows nick got the evoc Bike Bag Pro? Bike Bag Pro, okay. I'm in the market for a new one. I wanted to know what all what you all needed to do in order to fit your bike into the bag for travel. Adjustments, saddle, aero bars, etc. My bike mechanic skills are subpar at best, so I prefer if I don't have to make a ton of adjustments to the bike for travel. Cheers, Luke, fellow mosquito hater and bike pump guy. Did you, did you lend you his bike pump? 
Oh yes, somebody you, let me bike. Well, too. I'm telling you, you cannot pass. I cannot overstate the mosquito situation down there. Okay. It was, everyone, it's all anyone was talking about. Yeah. It was out yeah, of yeah. control. Yeah, for sure. But so, first of all, let me just say that I've never owned a bike bag before this one because I've never had to fly to a race. And, and let's also say that you bought it with your own money for full price. Yes, that's correct. No thanks to Evoc. Actually, no. You got a deal, didn't you? No, the deal was that it was a Christmas gift from two years ago. So Uh. I did. I spent zero dollars. My parents Uh. did spend uh, the full full price. Full full thousand. And there was no deal. Thank you, mom. Yeah, there was no there was no deal at all. But this thing is unreal. It is. It, the, it has downsides, but the upsides are I took wheels and pedals off, and I didn't even have to take pedals off, but I took wheels and pedals off, and that was it. To build it up takes five minutes. Left the derailleur on. Derailleur. Left the derailleur on. Right. Yeah, left the derailleur on. Maybe I should take it off, but man, it was just, I mean, nothing happened. It was just fantastic. Yeah. The uh, its It all fits in there. Absolutely great. It has, it seems like pretty well reinforced on the sides, even the parts that aren't rigid. Mm-hmm. Um, the downside is when I was getting to the airport, it barely, barely fit into the back of my car. Not lengthwise, but mm. thickness because the huge. bars are still it on is there. A it unit. is gigantic compared to like your guys' bags. Yep. It is like it looks like a different type of sports equipment. It doesn't yeah. even yeah. look like a bicycle. You're bag. not going to be getting anybody that's like, oh, we'll just call that a regular bag. Yeah, no, definitely not. Just to like paint the picture of how this thing looks, it's it's soft on the bottom essentially, but has like some sort of reinforcement to it. Yeah. And then the top of it, like the top 12 inches that go over your like your saddle and your handlebars, that is rigid. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a cool design. It's like, smart. It so takes it, the best of a hard case and like a mm-hmm. Cycon yeah. and combines them. I really like it. It has like all these neat little features. Like uh, it has these very well designed, not well designed, but the wheel system is like super smooth, mm-hmm. like a like a rollerblade. It's a wheel. true rollerblade wheel. Yeah, and uh, on the front, the little front wheel comes off for when you're actually when you're giving it to the airline, uh, and it goes into a little pocket in the side. Everything's really well thought out. So yeah. I really like it, but I've never had the problem like Eric was saying. The issue is that you could have is it could. Not, they, it might be too big for certain airports. Yeah. So you couldn't get it into a cab at the at the place you're going to, or whatever. Yeah. But so, the Cycons are big too. This also- is the next level, though. Like there, when I don't know, we've been doing enough races where like ten people show up in Italy on a flight, and there's like you all have to get in the same shuttle or something, and somebody's bike gets left behind. If you have this, it's just I could see if you do a fair amount of traveling, like it could become obnoxious just with Ubers, yeah. and stuff like that. Do you want to read it, Nick? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, why doesn't Eric read it? You just read one. Okay, that's go fun ahead, Eric. And, and different. What a fun, different twist. Yeah. What am I? Do- which where do I read? There were words. You just read them out loud. Here. It's from Nick G. This is a different Nick G. Oh my gosh! What the? He's probably really handsome, though. Hey, all. I follow Eric and Paul and a number of other pros on Instagram, and it seems like there are a lot of friendships among pros. Eric and Nick had Sundays with Jackie Herring after Alcatraz. You met with Holly Lawrence at a cafe in Oceanside and swam with her a number of, and another of other pros pre-race. You've done rides with Heather Jackson this summer. These are some of Paula's closest competitors. What are these relationships like? Is it a matter of being lonely at the top? What's race day like if you're battling someone you had coffee with yesterday or might have a burger with afterward? Are you ever rooting for a friend as the, even as they're beating you? Thanks much and loving the pod. A different Nick G. Yeah, I read this question and totally loved it because one of the most uh, prominent kind of like good feeling things about this weekend was the sense of friendship amongst our peers that we race with. Yeah. Um, Holly Lawrence stayed at my parents' house with Sean Jefferson. We hung out with Ellie and Zach a lot. Jackie Herring, after the meeting, actually warmed up with Jackie Herring. And 
good friends with Chelsea. Uh, honestly, just every female pro and male pro that I interacted with, there was just this sense of like support, I guess, and ha- being happy for each other. And yeah, we spent like, honestly, the full week before, like having dinner with Holly and going for coffee with people and having drinks with Jackie afterwards. And it, it's funny because in the race, you do switch into this mindset of wanting to beat them. But what I feel more like it's comforting to have them on the, on the race course. Like when I'm passing Jackie or passing Ellie or passing Holly or someone on the bike, I'm like, try to ride with me. Like, let's try to do this together. Like we're all in this together. And, uh, ultimately we want to win individually, but there's a way bigger sense of friendship than I've ever felt before in the sport. Something I I never experienced in ITU. ITU felt so cutthroat, so unfriendly in the, in the athlete lounges. Um, the total opposite of this. And I don't know if it's because everyone's a little bit older or everyone just doesn't take themselves as seriously and realizes there's more to life than triathlon, but it's just Wait, a what? really good group of people. I don't know if you wanted to speak more about it, but we also train with Lindsay and Heather all the time. That's amazing. They're the best athletes in the world, and it's cool to be able to do workouts with them and learn from them. So, yeah, these relationships, I feel like they're really genuine, not fake. I don't know. Yeah. Ultimately, these are the only other people in the world that truly understand what we do. And going to a race that's where you have this much pressure and everything on you, um, you you know, it's be able to relate to those people, they feel the same way and everything, that's so much better than feeling like it's you in this freak weird situation and, you know, you're the only one going through it. Yeah, yeah. From my perspective, it's like, it's like when your favorite TV show has all these characters and you're just like, I hope they're all friends in real life. Yeah, right. And then I see you guys and like, like the after party after Sunday, we go there and every pro is there and it's so fun. Everyone's in a good mood. Everyone's chatting with each other. They're playing cornhole. Everyone's like sitting in booths and like, I, I just love to see it. I was actually talking about this with Zachy, uh, Ellie's boyfriend. She's like, we love being on the outside and seeing like these amazing athletes all just like being so nice to each other and casual with each other and then going out on the yeah. race course and racing as as best as they can and there is like if i'm not having a great day and one of my friends or one of my you know closer competitors is doing well i'll cheer for them and on the flip side holly was cheering for me the whole race like it was crazy she was having a great race actually and she was like yelling at me every time i passed her same with jackie same with like like ellie i don't know it was just like crazy to think of like i don't know if that happens in other pro sports it looks like it does in running and people get really close with their competitors, but I, I love it. So good question. Okay. Well, we're going to do a few more. I really like this question because I realize it's been insanely hot in most of the world. And in our V2 videos, we leave Flynn in the van and I don't want people to be concerned about that because it hasn't been hot here. Uh, hello Flynn. Cause let's be real. This one is for you only. How long do you sometimes wait in the van while mom and dad train? How do you stay cool? Do you get to play or run first time first so you can have a nap in the van? Not that you need a nap. <laughs> Pam. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yes. Everything we do, every decision we make, every single day revolves around making sure that Flynn is safe and comfortable and how to exercise before we have exercise. Oh. He eats before we eat. And happy. He, he eats in, like... This dog has got it better than any other dog. We completely sacrificed our stand-up paddling experience today to make sure that Flynn had a good stand-up paddling, falling <laughs> off the paddleboard experience. Very stressful for us. Flynn had a blast. Yeah. Um, as far as how long Flynn stays in the van, um, the most time he's spent in the van is like two and a half hours. We'll 
like on maybe, a, three. On, maybe three on a bike ride around here but the van is incredibly well insulated i know i did it myself we'll make sure that if it is any chance that it could end up in the sun that the side that is white is facing the sun we have a rear window over the bed that we crack and then we also crack one of the front windows and then we have a ceiling fan that we turn on full blast which sucks air through those windows through the cab and keeps it very pleasant in there. We, but truthfully, like, we'll never leave them in there if it's warmer than 20 Celsius. What is that in, in Fahrenheit? Uh, uh, 70. Yeah. A little less than 70. Yeah, our, our, like threshold, yeah, our threshold for how warm it can be outside is very low. Yeah. So which which has uh, unfortunately restricted some of, like, our ability to go camping in the middle of the summer. Or, you know, we couldn't just go for a long bike ride in the middle of the day if it's warm out. Um, but but we, logistically, while we, we were We don't want to take a chance. Yeah. While we were training in Canmore... Logistically, it just it, if we left Flynn at home, he'd be home for like five hours, so it made more sense to bring him, and we could walk him right before, play chuck it with him after, and it just minimizes his time alone. And he honestly loves the van; like he has his bed in there. He's yeah, just it's you know, if he was at home, he'd be sleeping. The, so the first thing the he ever experienced was the van. We picked him up in in Salt Lake City the with van. the van, and we drove thirteen hours like that. He's he's very happy. I don't think this person was accusing us of not being responsible. I think they were genuinely curious. Yeah. So I just wanted to clarify that. Well, that, that is how it's it works. It's never really hot in the van. Logistics. Um, I think we should do one more yeah, question, and one. then we'll save some of the rest for next week. Sounds great. Okay, this one's for you, Nick. Mostly. Uh, sup, <clears throat> Nick mentioned a few pods ago. He gets training templates online. Can you share a few reliable sites, resources with good training templates? What are some core features of a good training template? I'm a noob to tri-life weightlifter and have a coach for that. Not ready f- to spring for a tri-coach yet, although someday it will be inevitable if I stay in the sport. Through weightlifting, I have a, I've realized how important high-quality programming is. I presume gains will be faster in the tri-world if the programming is solid. Thank you, Jonathan. I've, I've been wondering this, too. Yeah. What, what do you use? Yeah. Plans so, are us. Plans are us. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, I, at first, I, when I was first, like my first race, I just like, I had already been biking a lot at the time because I came from uh, biking. And then I was just trying to get in runs a few times a week and then swim as much as I could. And that's all I did. Uh, and then it's slowly, I was slowly introduced to Training Peaks as a platform, uh, which for those of you who don't know what that is, Strava is like this, the social side that you, I'm sure you've all heard of where you post your workouts. But Training Peaks has, doesn't really have a social element at all to it. It's actually, it's much more about analytics. And if you do have a coach, the coach can see your workouts and can prescribe workouts. But the, the main point of it for me is it's also a, a store where certified coaches can post their training plans. Mm. And the thing that's really great about it uh, compared to like a book is that uh, if your training plans are power meter based or pace based or heart rate based, you just put in your, on, in the swim, if you do a CSS test or CCS test, I forget what it is, but you plug in your number there. It's like your threshold swimming speed. You type in, you plug in your FTP for the bike, and you plug in your functional threshold, uh, your lactate threshold on the run. Uh, and all your workouts are then based on percentages of those. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be completely different for different athletes. Uh, the, the plan I bought was from. Uh, my pro coach, which this guy's name is Phil Mosley, but really it's a whole team now of people. And I, I've, I've watched them like update these plans because even when you do buy a plan, when you put it on your schedule, if you put it on your schedule a year later, if they've updated it, you get the updated version of the mm. plan. Mm. So uh, I've been using that for years now. Uh, the, the downside to it is that, like for me, who uh, I need a lot of help on my swim and on my run, it, the plan doesn't know that. 
the plan just is like it assumes you're an even athlete yeah, yeah. and then we'll make you work on these things as if you're an even athlete yeah. that's where a coach would be really beneficial but yeah. for me I just wanted something that had structure that's what has helped me the most yeah. is going out on Mondays and be like I don't have to think about what I want to do what I feel like doing this is the workout I'm doing the workout I'm just yeah. like I'm getting through it uh, unless I'm feeling truly terrible I'm I'm going to get through this thing mm-hmm. I really like that aspect of it and then training peak says this like it's such a stupid thing but it works well I think with the human brain at least mine it's like if you're you can set it to whatever distance time or whatever but if I have it set to TSS if my TSS is close enough to what the prescribed workout TSS was, the workout turns green. Mm. If it's a little far from that, it turns yellow. If it's more far from that, it turns orange. Little things like that. It just makes it feel like I did my job. When you go through the weeks and it's like green, green, yeah. green, 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 I've been doing the work. So there's the free Training Peaks plug yeah. for this episode. Yeah, yeah we're going to need some sponsors for this pod. We, we are, seriously. Um, we, I All from Nick. Yeah. But, but I guess what I would say is if you're looking for something like that, Training Peaks is one option. There are other platforms. Training Peaks does seem to be the most used one. Because there's a bunch of options. Because right? there's a million options. Yeah. At priced at very different price points. And you can go in and just buy a plan that seems like it works for you. But I, I really enjoy it. Would a real coach be better? Yes, a real coach would be better. Yeah, because ultimately they could you could text a real coach and say, I'm very tired this week. Exactly. And versus right now, it's just you just have to do less of the training plan and be okay with that. And yeah. another side of it is, is Nick couldn't go tell his coach that he was racing the PTO Canadian Open on Saturday, so he did a so what does super Nick do? long run. Two and a half hour long run in the city after <laughs> flying. Our <laughs> our coach is on our schedule on race week every single day. No running after travel. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. big bold letters. But I, I definitely, this this race was, I knew going in it was going to be a, a learning experience. And it and it, it also happened to feel great because I was able to run great. Yeah. But I was just happy to learn about the nutrition and how that would work with me. Yeah. I, I feel like it was a Very huge cool. Oh, no, this is, that was your third plug because you plugged Precision Eyed Racing. Oh, yeah. You plugged Evoc, and then Shoot. you plugged Training Peaks. And I'd also like to plug Due North uh, Races events. events because they were super nice and great. I mean, uh, any race they do, I would suggest. It was so, so, so well yeah, done. Yeah, they're yep. good. They're good at putting on events. Yeah. Um, good times. Cool. Well, we are so... Uh, unbelievably happy with with Paul's performance, and we are so unbelievably tired at the same time. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. a lot of emotional ups and downs, and physical ups and downs. Yeah, totally. But thank you guys for for listening. We're gonna we're gonna try to cool down, calm down, and enjoy beautiful Camor, and <laughs> and soon we'll be back. Yeah, and to everybody who was at the race, actually cheering and watching and wearing TTL gear, that was. I seriously can't even believe it. That was that was like the second most amazing thing of the weekend behind just barely behind Paula's result. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was so cool. It was the people. I yeah, signed so. someone's shoes. I signed someone's shirt. Someone has Nick Gold's I signed someone's forehead. Shoes. You did? <laughs> no, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was wild. Really wild. Yeah, cool. So well, cool. Well, thanks you guys. We'll be back next week with some more um, straight to the questions. Yeah. Straight to the questions yeah. next week. Well, we'll, Maybe a fun game or two, but straight yes, to the questions. Yes, quality. It'll be pure quality. Yeah, we'll be back in Bend, and Nick will be back in Santa Monica, and we're. I'm getting ready for the Collins Cup, which is like right around the corner. Oh so. god, how is that possible? <laughs> never ends, man. Yeah, never know. ends. Yeah, cool. Well, thank you so much, everybody, um, and thanks for listening to our race recaps. I hope that you aren't tired of hearing about the race yet. <laughs> well, it's, only, it's only Thursday, yeah, so that's right. If not, we just need to get a new job. Right. Yeah, that's right. true. That's true. Right. Thank you, guys. Later. Bye. Bye.